I could tell my classic leaky wooden boat sailor chum Dan was impressed. In fact, I don't think he'd ever seen anything quite like my sailfish. As he tapped the hull in wonder, at its complete lack of weeping knots, rusty nails and holes, I took his expression to be one of something like awe. Or it could have been just awe something, as I don't think he'd ever seen a boat with water mainly on the outside. But that was only the beginning of his enlightenment. But to say I've embraced technology is something of an understatement. Over the last year, my sailfish has been festooned with more computing power than the first rocket that landed on the moon, and that's just in my rather out-of-date Android phone that kids would be ashamed of. It's one year old. As I explained the complex onboard systems, Dan's eyes bulged in wonder, or something. For the first time ever, I've got GPS in the form of a handheld VHF radio that tells you where you are. And as it's waterproof, it even knows where it is when it falls overboard. Of course, if that happens, it's only a matter of seconds before there's considerable deviation between where it is and where you are. But that's not a problem for a techno sailor like me because I've also got an amazing action camera that not only knows where it is, but how fast you're going and how many G you're pulling. There were times, in boisterous conditions, when I was pulling something like 1G. In layman's terms, that's one times your body weight. It's an amazing bit of kit, or at least it was, until it dropped overboard. When I pressed the on button, off Limehouse Basin, to capture some extreme action video of me pulling 1G as I wafted down the Thames. Mind you, as the action camera is waterproof, it still probably knows where it is, at least until the battery went flat. But even that's not a problem, as I had backup in the form of nav software on my phone, which knows where the action camera is. And if you're interested and want to hire some scuba equipment, I can give you the precise lat and long. Now, not that I've become reliant on technology, but all this gear allows you to get on with the real business of sailing, which is basically a fine balance between constantly monitoring your electricity reserves and telling everyone about it on social media. As Dan and I left Brighton, I gave him a technical briefing explaining that we were probably pulling 1G, that the solar panels were feeding the battery with 14.2 volts, and that we were doing 3.1, hang on, no, 3.3, wait, 3.4, whoa, 3.6 knots over the ground. Dan had his awe expression again, as he asked our heading. We're holding steady at 14.2 volts, Dan, I explained as I filmed him at the helm and interfaced live images of his awe face to my nav software in preparation for uploading to social media. Then, I noticed that the speed had dropped off dramatically to just 3.5 knots over the ground, and I ticked Dan off for losing concentration. I had the evidence on my nav phone thingy which I pointed in his face. 
Now, in answer to his earlier question about our heading, I pointed out Little Hampton on the small screen, showed him it was in a straight line, and pointed out a vague arc ahead of the boat with my finger. Of course, it would be unseamanlike to rely purely on technology, so I told him to try his best to not hit the land, as I jumped below to check the digital voltmeter, which interfaces with my battery via a multi-point splitter with USB ports and a lighter socket. That was £4.99 from Lidl. And unlike the rest of my rather more sophisticated equipment, the digital voltmeter doesn't know where it is. But that's okay, because I do. It's always plugged into the splitter thingy. And as I looked, I noticed that we dropped off to 14.1 volts, and I explained to Dan that although this was not an immediate problem, I'd keep an eye on it and reassured him that I'd be monitoring the situation. It was round about then that Dan pulled his oar face again and asked if my nav phone thingy knew where the kettle was. Hardly subtle, I thought, but I did my best to make a cup of tea within the constraints of monitoring the onboard systems and admonishing him for dropping off to 2.9 knots, even though the motorboats around seemed to be moving along quite briskly over glassy blue water. Well, Dan couldn't get home from Littlehampton that night, so he stayed over, and I was hoping for a little more application and commitment from him the next day, vis-à-vis boat speed and general attitude. I wasn't expecting mutiny. Something in him had changed, because he had a rather angry awe expression, and instructed me to switch all the stuff off and get the charts out, dividers, plotter, tie tables, and hand-bearing compass. I said this was foolish, as we'd be, sa- we'd be sailing blind, but I went along with his peculiar notion. Now, truth be told, it was actually tremendously satisfying to take back bearings, line up transits, allow for leeway and tidal flow, calculate boat speed, and draw lines on the chart, and thread our way through the loo channel round Celsi Bill. And plus, I really do have to admit, we made a better passage than if we'd zigzagged to boys marked as waypoints. And better yet, as we got to Gosport, I realised that we'd set a record. We had 14.3 volts of electricity at first. Now I hope that helps. <laughs>